quite a lot being asked if you are going to make a claim. Now, that may mean the industry just doesn't make any claims about its packaging on pack. But the challenge is going to be as we progress into the race towards net zero and sustainability becomes a bigger and bigger issue, this information is going to be demanded and the industry needs to be ready for it. Welcome to the new HBW Insight over-the-counter podcast with me, David Ridley, Senior Editor, Europe. In this new podcast, I'll be talking to industry figures and experts about new trends and issues emerging in the global consumer healthcare market. This week, I speak to PhD Marketing Managing Director Joe Stevenson about the implications of the new UK Green Claims Code for OTC companies operating in this market. As well as being a consumer healthcare marketing expert, Joe is also an expert in packaging with wide-ranging experience in the health and fast-moving consumer goods industries. We also talk about the wider implications of sustainability for the self-care industry and how companies can avoid greenwashing when making environmental claims for their OTC products. So thank you for coming on our podcast, Joe. Um, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself quickly before we, we start the conversation. Yeah, no problem. My name's uh, Joe Stevenson and I'm the Managing Director of PhD Marketing, which is a marketing agency working in the medical and pharmaceutical sector as well as food and beverage and life sciences. So we have a, a broad portfolio, but pharma and medical is fairly key critical to us. Brilliant. Well, thank you for coming uh, to talk about the Green Claims Code. So, um, yeah, climate change, sustainability, you know, big topics. We've been writing about it a lot and the consumer health industry is starting to take that very seriously. Um, but maybe, you know, what we haven't uh, written or spoken about that much is the uh, marketing side. And obviously, you know, you've got to be careful about in general, you know, with uh, with drugs and and food supplements, etc. you know, cosmetics, you do have to be careful anyway, how you market and there are rules about that. Mm. But then also, you know, with um, with the kind of sustainability stuff, yeah, it's, it's a commercial opportunity, but then you've also got to be careful about what, what you say and, and maybe not overselling it. So maybe you could just uh, introduce the Green Claims Code um, and then we can, we can drill into it a little bit more about how it's relevant for consumer healthcare in a minute. Sure, no problem. So basically, the, the Green Claims Code has been issued uh, this year. It's been produced by the Competition and Markets Authority, um, uh, an organisation uh, belonging to the government, essentially. And what it really is, is a reaction to the whole sustainability narrative that is going on in every market, every industry currently. And um, the problem of what's become known as greenwashing. And, and the reality is there's a, la- a lot of misunderstanding of sustainability um, as a topic. And the problem with that, both at a, uh, a company and at a consumer level, is there's a lot of um, misinformation and lack of clarity on uh, whether a product or pack indeed is, is sustainable. Um, So what this has translated into is is a lot of what I call knee-jerk reactions from manufacturers trying to change their packaging, thinking they're doing something good or overplaying the sustainability benefits of uh, the packaging that they're putting out there. So 
The government has recognised this. Um, it wants a level playing field with respect to sustainability, that it's made easy for patient, patients and consumers to understand um, the sustainability context of the products they're buying. And they've really stepped in with a guide um, that is ultimately enforceable uh, to ensure that manufacturers uh, and suppliers are playing the game and, and not over boosting what they believe their sustainability credentials to be. And how would you say that this impacts the consumer healthcare industry in particular, given the you know the kind of things it makes and markets? Um, fundamentally, you know, I, I work both in the food and beverage and in um, the consumer healthcare market, and you know, clearly we see an even stronger uh, legislative requirement in terms of labelling of, of packs because it's about consumer safety at the end of the day. Um, this really brings sustainability into that type of playground, i.e. you can't just pop on a pack recyclable if it's not widely collected, which is one of the issues we have today. Um, you can't put on there uh, green packaging or eco-friendly without substantiating what that's about. So for this industry, it's really starting to wake up in terms of the claims that are being made, if any, because a lot of manufacturers still aren't actually saying anything about their packaging. And there are certain exemptions for uh, the sector. For example, if I, if I use something like the plastics tax that's coming in next year, if your packaging is, um, if you think about what we call primary and secondary packaging, if it's primary packaging actually next to the drug, it's exempt from that plastics tax, for example. But the secondary packaging um, is subject to it. And this has kind of given the industry a bit of a buy on paying attention to perhaps some of these green issues. Whereas if you look at patients and consumers today, they are extremely aware of their environmental footprint. The engagement around this topic has, has escalated hugely over the last five years since things like the Blue Planet 2 series with David Attenborough on, on BBC One. And they want to know that they are receiving or purchasing a product that is acceptable from an environmental perspective. So what it's going to ultimately mean is a lot more pressure on manufacturers to state uh, the situation for their pack and provide very clear guidelines and, and information for the patient on the product that they're buying. And it really starts to become um, something akin to what they're doing for the actual ingredients in the products on the labels today. It's going to be that strict ultimately. Yeah, I think it's important, like you say, um, I think the time is now for, for these companies to, to really get the, get a grip on, on this kind of issue, but also yeah, familiarise themselves with this code, obviously, you know, maybe get some good advice on it. Um, but I'd like to kind of illustrate it, have you, have you got a kind of example uh, or maybe, you know, like a, a kind of imagined example where you could get it right or, or maybe how you get it wrong? Yeah, so... Um, what we tend to see is, is little sort of statements on the back of pack with, you know, this, this packaging is eco-friendly or planet-friendly with some graphic designer that's created an icon to reflect that. But that today doesn't really mean anything because of the, I'll use the word abuse of the term sustainable and the lack of understanding from consumers of what sustainability really means. It's taken as read, all oh, that pack must be sustainable. But, you know, and I, I don't want to get into in-depth packaging knowledge today, but the reality is there is no silver bullet in sustainable packaging. Packaging in and of itself is a green technology. And I know that's a big, broad claim to make, but it's there to protect and preserve goods and present information effectively to the patients. Um, and consumers don't really understand that. They see it as a necessary evil because they're throwing it in the bin or returning it to their pharmacy, for example, when they finished with, with the, the product. Um, but there is no 
silver bullet in terms of material use, what we have to do is reduce the amount of packaging we're using in the first place. And if we can't reduce it, then we need to make sure we're using renewable, recyclable substrates wherever possible, and then ultimately making the pack, the pack either reusable or recyclable at the end of its use. And it's that part that's not well understood and is not communicated well on pack. So what the new code from the Competition and Market Authority does is puts out six principles which manufacturers now have to adhere to. So if you're going to put something on your pack, making a claim about how it's been constructed, um, it first and foremost needs to be truthful and accurate. So you can't just put these generic terms and hope it's, it's okay. The consumer won't really understand it. It needs to, needs to be clear and unambiguous. And that's what I mean about recycle friendly and these type of planet friendly, these types of things that we see. What does that mean? You know, it, it's not clear. So it, it must be clear and unambiguous. It must not omit or hide important relevant information. It must make comparisons that are fair and meaningful. So sometimes we see these comparisons between, let me give you an example, a carton board box and a plastic flow wrap. Okay, but are we looking at, greenhouse emissions are we looking at the water footprint are we you know there are all different ways of measuring sustainability so if we're going to making comparisons they have to be fair and meaningful and we have to consider the full life cycle of the product or service because we have some fantastic products that can be used for packaging but actually the disposal routes are very questionable they end up typically in landfill or incineration so you can't position a product as truly sustainable if the product post-use is going to end up in that type of situation and finally, the claim must be substantiated. And this is where a lot of manufacturers are really going to fall down, because um, what we see is investment in the legislative side of um, product development, you know, a lot of science going into the products that are packed. But there are very, very few packaging technologists in this industry today that truly understand what they're doing. A lot of the packaging development is outsourced and you're relying on those partners to keep you um, in line with the code. So um, with those six principles, you know, th th there's quite a lot being asked if you are going to make a claim. Now, that may mean the industry just doesn't make any claims about its packaging on pack. But the challenge is going to be as we progress into the race towards net zero and sustainability becomes a bigger and bigger issue, this information is going to be demanded and the industry needs to be ready for it. Yeah, thanks. That's a really good summary. Um, I think that'd be a really helpful kind of uh, route into maybe doing that work you know to get the details right and, and I think you know like you say it's all about the details but um, but I suppose the next question is you know what happens if you don't do this right I mean how is it going to be enforced and it's it's a really good question because when I first saw the code I thought here we go another sort of guide to, to what we need to do and you know it, it is a great guide but it's got no teeth. But actually, the Competition and Markets Authority will be reviewing misleading claims. Now, clearly, they have to be flagged up. And then you wonder, well, how are they going to be flagged up? But they are going to be doing some um, auditing of the market. And that is across all market sectors. So I'm certainly not suggesting that the health care market is in the spotlight. Um, but it does share consumer protection powers with bodies such as trading standards. So if an organisation is being found to make misleading claims on its packaging around its planet friendliness, let's call it that, then they are likely to impose sanctions on those company um, fines and so forth. So very, very similar to trading standards. You can't make misleading claims about the products you're selling. And now your green claims fall under this code as well in the same way. So there are penalties if you get it wrong, which should be a warning to all of us. Now, again, 
when we see these these codes and you wonder about its teeth, you really wonder, you know, they're probably only going to be able to focus on the big guys and some of the big volume products. But um, I think it's good advice to all of us to really look at what claims we are making, if any. And if we're not making any, we should be because, you know, it's in our interest to ensure that um, the ultimate consumer of the product um, feels good uh, about the product. Um, but if we are going to make claims, then it needs to line up because you could get caught through any audits that the CMA does. But yeah, I think like you say, especially for our readers, because we've got some of the biggest manufacturers, uh, you know, listening to this podcast and reading our articles. So, and then, you know, they're the ones with those, uh, you know, massive reputations that they, that they want to keep. So I think, but like I say, it's everyone, you know, and, and actually on the other end, the smallest manufacturers really can't afford it either. So. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And the, the real risk is if, if you continue with greenwashing, whether naively or not, because it, unless you've got good packaging expertise, I can understand how you fall into that trap. Um, you, you are risking reputational damage. And, and because maybe it's a generational thing, but we are seeing more sort of environmentally active uh, consumers, particularly in the millennial and, and Gen Z generations, it's just going to be a, a ticket to doing business. You're not going to be able to operate without dealing with these types of issues. And packaging has always been fairly low down in the marketing mix in the industry for all the right reasons. It's, it, you know, it's not a product that's on shelf that people pick other than the, the particular OTC market. Um, but you're going to have to look at it like the labelling legislation in exactly the same way and, and really have your ducks in a row with what you're doing with respect to packaging design and then how you make your claims on your product. Because if you start to get challenged and we know what social media is like today, people will call you out on your claims. And what you don't want is that reputational risk as part of not dealing with this properly. Um, I was interested when you were saying about how it's going to be enforced. So this sits actually alongside the other um, enforcement mechanisms, you know, like, say, for example, with health claims, uh, it will go uh, maybe to the ASA. Uh, and then, you know, the companies will, will probably work with someone like the PAGB, you know, the Consumer Healthcare Association, to yeah. check their advertising before. And that's part of the self-regulation of the industry. Yeah. But what you're describing is a kind of additional system that sits alongside that that you also need to be aware of so maybe you know manufacturers are thinking oh well this will all just be part of the usual you know business as usual it'll go through PAGB etc but actually this is a separate whole separate kind of framework that they need to put extra kind of work into isn't it yeah and I I, I do suspect and it's lucky for the industry because it's known that it is a very regulatory driven industry that there is a sense of ownership accountability and responsibility compared to for example the food to go market let's you know compare and contrast why we had the scandal with Pret-a-Manger and its peanut allergy because there just isn't the 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 um what's the word sort of granular approach to labeling and regulation and, and control of products in other industries so in that perspective i i I don't think the industry is going to be in the spotlight per se in the first few months of this uh, code coming in because there's, there's industries that certainly have challenges compared to this one. Um, but that being said, I'm sure the regulatory bodies that are managing the safety side of the industry and so forth and, and registration of, of health claims and so forth will be involved because it's in the industry's interest as a whole to manage this and provide guidance you know, within the various trade bodies. So. Um, 
yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think it'll be a bit of a slow burn for the industry overall, but I'd rather we had the awareness through partners like yourselves getting the message out there that this is coming, guys, and don't get caught, and, and let's just make sure everybody's compliant with um, a, a policy that, for me, has, is flying under the radar a little bit. You know, I've been talking about it on various uh, programmes like this, and the number of people I'm talking to in large corporations that aren't even aware of it is quite astonishing because it is going to be enforced and literally sits with us January 2022. 2022 so we've got a lot to do pretty quickly yeah no i think that's a really good point um i think maybe it's we could maybe say something positive as well about the industry you know like the flip side of what you were just describing um, about it already being highly regulated you know knows what it's doing when it comes to making claims mm-hmm. um, and packaging in terms of safety you know all the pieces are there for the consumer healthcare industry actually to get this right um, and there really isn't an interest I think in this industry in, in breaking those regulations you know maybe when you get to the kind of least like less regulated sides of uh, cosmetics and um, and food supplements you know where there's a lot of innovation but you know when you when you are being innovative you can also get it wrong mm-hmm. uh, but yeah maybe the kind of more established uh, pharmaceutical side of the industry you know, could be more of a, a beacon of how to get it right, actually. Absolutely. And I, I think that's what I'm saying about the spotlight. You are known as a, a highly regulated industry. So I think there's less concern over it because it's just more natural for you to engage around these types of topics. Um, but I, you know, one of the challenges I see is just the sheer amount of information we're trying to get onto packaging nowadays. We're trying to reduce the amount of packaging we're putting out there because you know, for the environment and, and, and using less resources, but then we're piling on the information that we're having to get onto packs at the same time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, or, or very clever sort of leaflet label systems to enable all that information to be in there. But yes, this this sector for me is is one that already has a fantastic discipline, and I do believe that is recognised by people like the CMA. So I'm not imagining that spotlight's going to shine here particularly, but it would be great to think that the industry will be investing more in sustainability because it's also known as an industry that isn't perhaps paying attention in the same way that some of the other sectors are and you know i particularly would call out the cosmetic sector with its luxury luxury products you know heavy means good means value in in that world and i get it you know there's a there can be a bit of a conflict between luxury and sustainability um however consumers as i said are changing and even um you know, some some of the older generations are becoming more planet aware and, and looking to really sort of test out whether they can buy more environmentally friendly products. And that feeds right across supplements, cosmetics and the pharmaceutical market. I work with four or five uh, supplements manufacturers myself, and they are all addressing the sustainability strategies, particularly in light of the recent COP26 in Glasgow. I think that really put a, a you know, a, a a focus into the UK in particular with it being local then everybody is addressing sustainability at the moment and it really is it's kind of a a ticket to do business that's the only way I can describe it it's I always describe it as you know it's like getting on an airplane and it not having its safety certificates we're getting like that in business now you've got to have your sustainability credentials in order to do business and a lot of the big manufacturers and brands that are out there won't work with partners now that aren't playing the game on on the on the environment so i think i think that the code is well timed and i think for for the industry that we're referring to i think there's some great disciplines that i say as i said that are out there already because of the regulatory nature of the of the the market and therefore we should be in good shape but let's hope these types of discussions help people just check a few more boxes and, and get it right first time 
yeah, it's nice to think that we can uh, play a role in uh, in helping the industry get it right with sustainability. I mean, we, you know, as our readers and listeners will know that we've done a lot of work on it recently, and we've been following, you know, the companies or publishing their net zero strategies and trying to understand what they mean. Um, and I suppose, yeah, the only other thing that struck me about when you were talking about the green claims code that it it really reflects what we're kind of hearing about what a good um, sustainability strategy looks like in general. You know, mm-hmm. the same kinds of adjectives around measurable, measurable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, material, uh, accountable. You know, I think um, there's obviously a, a stress on um, just making it genuine. I think, if nothing else. Yeah, and I, I, I certainly don't think the packaging industry in particular has has covered itself in glory with respect to that. There's been a lot of, I'll just say, it, sort of infighting between the different subsets, substrate types, you know, between glass, metal, plastic, carton, corrugate. Um, they all have a sustainability story to tell. It's just different views of the same argument. So some play the whole highly recyclable cards, some play the lightweight, low carbon, carbon emissions cards, some play the recycled content and recyclable, you know, there is no right answer. What everybody has to follow is the UK waste hierarchy, which is fundamentally remove plastics wherever you can that are fossil fuel based, then reduce material consumption, whatever that material is, let's just all use less material because that's less carbon. Then after that, it's can you make it refillable or reusable? And then it's recycling. Recycling is actually the bottom of the, the hierarchy. If you're having to recycle something, you're losing value. So I think as long as all companies bear that in mind and, and don't scream that they've got the perfect solution because there is no silver bullet there is no perfect solution every product will have a carbon footprint it may have a water footprint um and we all just need to have a balance in the way that we approach that and i think this is what this code is really trying to get at is just communicate clearly on your position you know line up with that uk waste hierarchy line up with the code and life will be simple for you but just don't don't overcook it because I think that's the, the the message of greenwashing that started to, to irritate and got the government is obviously becoming very aware of it and trying to put put a put a lid on what people are claiming. Yeah, and just on that, just finally, um, going back to the greenwashing point, I mean, maybe just uh, in your general experience as a marketer and you know working on marketing campaigns and and your knowledge of of what that means and how you go about it, you know, I think like what's the What's the general risk there, um, you know, with companies all publishing these very ambitious strategies? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's all sounding good now, but, you know, at what point in the next, well, yeah, is it five years, ten years, you know, when when they're actually having to say yeah. what they've done, you know, have they actually achieved it? You know, what what's the risk there? Is there a big risk? It's huge. And I, it, it sounds a, a silly analogy, but you only have to look at some of these people who've been caught up in the, the cricket scandal recently. And they're saying, you know, I'm not a racist. I've never done anything. And the media are going out and finding tweets that they wrote 10 years ago that have a racist slant. We live in an ever present omni-channel digital world today. And what we're saying is not lost. It, it just sits somewhere on the server and comes back to haunt us if anything happens in the future. And, and you know, and I, a, a, an example I would give you is, is again, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not uh, consumer healthcare related, but Iceland supermarket, there was a big wahoo in 2018 when they went out and said they were going to be the first plastic free supermarket chain. 
well, they actually were at the bottom of supermarket sustainability in 2020. You know, they, they're not walking the talk. And I've, I've seen it today, interestingly, they're making claims about their Christmas mince pies being plastic free. And I'm like, so what? That doesn't make it a sustainable product. You've probably increased your water footprint 10 times. So this is the issue is just be honest, just be truthful, be measured, you know, put some KPIs against it, report annually. And to be honest, there's, there's other pieces of... Um, there's other programs coming through from the UK government. They've just released something called the Social Value Quality Mark, where it gives you a process to be audited in terms of your corporate social responsibility. So following a decent framework like that or something like the UN Global Compact um, to drive a framework into your business that is absolutely about looking at sustainability as an organization, not just the products and, and packaging that, that you use. And and really having it as a fundamental part of business strategy you know we all have a mission to do whatever we do as a business but ensuring that sustainability is part of that story and then you don't have to look back in 10 years and realize that you've done a lot of greenwashing that's the, probably the polite term for it in 2021 that you know you did something sensible you made steps forward and you know my my grandmother say used to say you know shoot for the stars darling but if you hit a lamppost at least you went up and down and you, you know you did something and that, I think that's what we have to do. Just be realistic. You, you're not going to change the world overnight. And we have to be very, very realistic about the products and, and innovation levels from a, from the perspective of sustainability today. But small baby steps on the right journey are better than big strides that then fail. So this isn't going to go away. That's clear. And certainly um, the consumers and, and patients of the future are very, very environmentally aware. And they're going to be looking for something different from companies in the future. So better to get your act together now than get caught with it yeah and I think it's important to say you know and, and someone said this the other day in an interview which I thought was a really good point that um you know if you're a company that hasn't really gone very far with sustainability yet or maybe you're a small company that you haven't got those resources or you haven't got the knowledge yet you know instead of then pretending you know and just putting something out there that, that maybe you think will sound good but you're totally unprepared for just yeah. be honest you, I think you know you, like you say just it's fair enough everyone's getting their head around this right now if you, and you can say look you know we're starting now uh, but what we're doing is we've got a plan that's achievable and measurable and we're going to report it rather than saying we're going to be net zero in five years and exactly. then having no idea how you're going to get there but I think that's good advice would you agree Absolutely. And I'd, I'd highly recommend something like the UN Global Compact to support that. It's very low cost for sort of small and mid-sized businesses, a little bit more costly for, for large organisations. But that lays out a framework to help you build your sustainability strategy in a very manageable way. And it simply asks you to report each year on what you're doing. And in the first 18 months, you literally can just provide a letter saying we're committed to it. We're going to investigate it and we will report where we're at. Now, if you report and say, look, we've got problems here, we've got problems here, and we've got problems here. But Here's the things we're thinking of doing in the next 12 months to fix it. That's all they're asking of you. Just progress and change. Nobody's looking for you to just turn your business upside down and, and solve the problems of the planet in five years. But everybody needs tangible change. And to be honest, back to the sort of consumer and, and patient argument, they're going to be looking for tangible change. And that's not just about your messaging on pack or your packaging type. It is as a brand, do I trust you? Is this a company that's respectable? And if I go search for information on you, am I going to be convinced that you're doing the right thing societally and for the planet? And that's what it's really all about. Probably my final message, and I would say this being a marketing firm, of course, but 
work with a partner that really understands your industry and understands this topic and understands the challenges that you've got. And so many times we work with with companies um, on an outsourced basis just to take the pain, particularly around packaging, away from them to help them clear up some of those messages that they need and, and to put a strong, solid accurate story out there rather than you know perhaps letting the marketing department run away too quickly with with claims that are a little bit erroneous and can can get you into trouble from 2022 onwards well yeah i think that's a great place to stop and um i think that's good advice you know that that we have got companies out there like like phd or you know many marketing com- companies that really know what they're doing and and have, I've, I've got their head around this already you know instead of having to uh, and, you know, I think you've got to understand it as well, haven't you? But but maybe all the details, you know, if you've got a, a partner you can trust, then uh, that's a good way to, to get ahead. It's important to have that fresh set of eyes as well, because sometimes when, when you're in a company, you can't see the wood for the trees and, you know, you believe something's right. And this is the message you want to put out there. But having somebody who's an expert in packaging and an expert in marketing, bringing that, you know, reality check around the claims that you're making can be very powerful. So absolutely, that would be what I would do. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much. Um, I think that's a fantastic overview. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. No problem. Lovely to speak with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Over the Counter. Watch out for new episodes in the future on the HPW Insight website, on our LinkedIn and Twitter pages, and on SoundCloud. See you soon.